At First Baptist Church, our mission is to follow our Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others to a joyful life with Him. Our hope is that you will encounter Jesus Christ in such a way that you will have joyful news to go and tell. Our reverse text for this week is Matthew 6, 19-24. So find that in your bulletin and we're going to read this aloud together. This then is the text for today. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. May God bless the reading of His Word. Um, as you open your Scripture, you'll see in your, your listening sheet, we're going to look at a number of different passages today. We're actually going to end with our reverse text, and we're going to work through a few others before we get to the reverse text for today. Now, I'll say this and start here. Um, money tends to be a difficult conversation for many of us, and, and typically is, is a difficult conversation in the church and this happens really for a couple of reasons, and we need to talk about those two reasons um, first. So first of all, the reason why it's difficult to talk about money in the church is because there are plenty of greedy pastors who use religion to swindle money from people. You'll, you'll, you'll hear them or you'll read them, and they'll say something like this, if you give me the pastor money then God's going to give you exponentially more than whatever you give me. This is a fraud. There are a lot of preachers who say those kinds of things. I do wonder what would happen if it would go in reverse. What would happen if the pastor would give to the congregation? Um, God might up in the world's financial system if that happened. Right, that's, that's one side of the, the conversation that, that makes it difficult. The other side, though, is, is like those fraud preachers. Most everybody in the United States worships money. And we have been raised to worship money. Most churches seem to worship money as much as we worship God. It often looks like this. Our, our tendency in this country and in our churches is we make every decision based on the bottom line of the budget. Same thing, it, it happens at home, it, it happens at work. Decisions are yes or no based on the dollar. That, that's the final consideration. And typically that's the only consideration. Is the dollar there or is the dollar not there? We worship money. You know, this, this is the primary reason that our government is failing. 
we as a country worship money. You know, this, this is the primary reason the medical establishment in this country is failing. We worship money. This, this is the primary reason our universities are failing, because we worship money. You see, for the most part, in this country, money is our God. You see, when we make big decisions, we don't pray. We run to the budget. All these organizations, so these I just mentioned, even the, the church, the medical institutions, our universities, we, the government, it, we walk around with this air of superiority. They say, well, we're non-profit. And, and they, they claim that they're better because of that. They're more, more morally sound than some huge corporation. But we all do the same thing. Decisions are, are based on, on profit margin. We worship money. When, when institutions worry more about profit than people, they slowly rot. And you end up where we are, to, where we are today. Now, to be clear, I mean, God doesn't say waste your money. He doesn't say having money is wrong. In fact, the, the biblical model is like this. The biblical model is one of stewardship. That we have to, to see money differently and use money differently. That all of us, everybody in here, myself, you, every single one of us, God has ordained that we would have a certain amount to manage. So whatever, whatever money you have, you have to manage your accounts, your property, your possessions. See, as the, the Bible describes it, is all of those, they're not yours, but they are a gift of God to be managed, not worship. And there's a difference there, right? And, and how I manage well, and I manage wisely, and I get the most out of it without worshiping it. See, the money is always the secondary consideration. It's never the priority. For, for everything, God, His kingdom, His purposes are always the priority. In every aspect of our life and business, God always comes first. You know, the Bible speaks to money in, in a number of different ways, but there's one in particular I want us to focus on this morning, and that's on this sense of inheritance. And we're going to look at inheritance in, in a few different passages here, because inheritance is a common theme when the Bible is talking about money. So let's start, look with me at Ecclesiastes chapter 2. So Ecclesiastes chapter 2 is a, a somber one. Man on his deathbed, struggling with what his life is. So Ecclesiastes 2.18, I hated all the fruit of my labor, for which I had labored under the sun, for now I must leave it to a man who will come after me. And who knows whether he'll be wise or a fool, yet he will have control over all of it, the fruit of my labor, for which I labored, acting wisely under the sun. This is vanity. I despaired the fruit of my labor. And they go down to verse 22. For what does a man get in all his labor, striving under the sun? All the days are, the tasks are painful, they're grievous. Even at night, the mind doesn't rest, it's all vanity. See, Ecclesiastes 2 reflects on this, this reality of worshiping money. 
that, that so many people, they, they don't realize the fleeting nature of money until they're on their deathbed and realize they have money. But it's worthless. When you breathe your last, the money has no value. And when you're contemplating your life's work and, and you, you come to the realization, everything that I've worked for, I've now got to give to somebody else who has no idea the time and the energy and the work that it took to get it. They're never going to appreciate it. You know, as the story goes, traditionally we understand Ecclesiastes is Solomon. Solomon was the, likely the wealthiest man in the world at the time. So you, I worked hard for this, amassing this wealth. My heirs have no idea the energy and the sleepless nights it took to get to where we are today. They have no idea what I gave up to get this wealth. My heirs have no idea, and now they're entitled to all this wealth. They didn't earn it. They don't deserve it. And they're going to get it. And when you worship money, that is devastating. To leave it to somebody who doesn't appreciate it. You know, this, is, this is a painful truth for a hardworking person to swallow. So their whole lives amassing wealth. And then it just goes to somebody else. You see, when, when, when the bottom line, the, the profit, when, when that's the priority in, in your life or your business, you're, you're always protecting the money. And, it, and at some point along the way, you're, you're going to realize that the money is wildly unstable and absolutely worthless in heaven. Some of us get there sooner than others. But there's going to come a point where we realize it's not worth it. There's another story too. If you turn me to Luke 15. This is an inheritance story we know pretty well. It's, it's the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, the, the younger son, he's worshiping money and he thinks, if I get more money now, I can enjoy it longer. He, he, he believes that his pleasure in life is directly related to how much money he has. And so he says, Dad, give me my inheritance now. And so he takes it and he squanders it on everything. He ends up sharing life with swine. And, and, and we usually focus on the good here. There's this beautiful part of the story where the, the son is repentant and he turns around and he runs home. And we get this beautiful picture. The father starts running out to meet him. The father runs out to grab his son that's been gone. And as they embrace, if you look over their shoulders, you see the older brother in the background just fuming. And he, he is angry because his little brother just wasted half their wealth. He looks at his dad and says, I've been here and I've served you. I've done everything I could for you. And this is how you repay me. By welcoming him home. 
the story, it's, it's like Ecclesiastes. You, you see this unhealthy association of life and work and money. In that when you worship money, there will always come a point where money divides you. Because the more money you have, and money being a limited resource, you, you have to cut people out of your life to keep more money, right? And, and so the more people that you cut out of your life, the more that's available for you. And so you, you see this here, and it just begins to divide people. It leads to all kinds of family trials, terrible circumstances, father against son, brother against brother. Um, and see, these brothers, both of these... In the prodigal son story, both of them have a terrible attitude. The younger is going to squander it his way as quickly as possible. And the, the, the older brother, he, he's going to do everything possible to make it looks like, look like he deserves that inheritance. But that's just not the case. That's, that's not the way inheritance works. When you think about inheritance, inheritance is always a gift. Anybody that inherits anything... It's the nature of the beast. They're not going to appreciate it. Not the time, energy, and effort that went into it. This is what Ecclesiastes is talking about. It's, it's just the nature of the reality. They weren't there as you amassed it. They're never going to appreciate the wealth that you amassed. And, and, but this, the older brother is saying, well, I'm going I'm to do my best to work really hard to make it look like I earned this inheritance. Or at the very least, if I didn't earn it, I earned it more than my little brother did. And I deserve it more than he did. Neither one of us deserved it. But if anybody deserves it, I deserve it. I deserve this inheritance, this sense of entitlement, right? That I, I deserve that. Which is, and so that, that older brother just keeps working and working and working and toiling his life away, saying, I'm going to make it look like I deserve this money. So then he could say, it's all mine. See, both of these sons, they view their relationship with their father as a transaction. That's how so many people in, in our country view life and relationships. So they view people. People are either um, people that can give me money or they're people that are going to drain me of money. And, and they, they, they deal, we deal with our relationships in this way. And we see people through the lens of the dollar. And so that's how both of these sons saw their father. They didn't see their father. They saw somebody who could give them dollars, right? The, the first, the younger son, he saw the, the money as the surefire path to pleasure. Not a relationship with his dad. He wanted a relationship with money. Same thing with the older son. He, 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 he thought the, the, the money was, was his path to security, to position, to life. But the father wasn't worried about the money. Like, look, look down with me. So Luke 15, certain 29, you get the sense of this. Luke 15, 29, but the, the older son said to his father, look, for so many years I've been serving you and I've never neglected a command. You've never even given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who's devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the dad said, son, you've always been with me. And all that's mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live, was lost and has been found. See, the, the father here is interested in the relationship. 
The sons only care about the money. And this, this, this is a beautiful picture of who our heavenly father is and how we view him and how he views us. So I'm going to turn to, to another scripture. It's, it's not listed in your bulletin, but it, it, we read it earlier. Pastor Aaron read it earlier. 1 Timothy 6. So 1 Timothy 6, it, it talks about money throughout. We read that portion earlier in the service, but I want to read you a verse a little bit uh, before that in verse 7. And, and it, it, it talks to this idea of, of how we view money versus how God views money. So look at verse, 1 Timothy 6, 7. For we um, have brought nothing into this world, and so we can't take anything out of it either. So what happens as you come to know Jesus is that the Spirit of God comes in your life and begins to open your eyes to things. And, and a big piece of that is, is opening your eyes to the spiritual reality that's in front of you. So many people can really only see the physical, the tangible, right, that, that which we can touch. And we think that's the be-all and end-all. And it would actually make sense for you to worship money in that temporal world if that's all there was. But when the Spirit of God comes in your life and, and opens your eyes, so there's so much more to this world. There, there's a spiritual reality and a spiritual realm even here and now. But then beyond that, you can, you can look up past the heavens into the heaven and know that there's this grand spiritual reality that is far greater than anything in this temporal world. And, and God begins to, to show you your priorities in a new way. That earthly inheritance is problematic. Earthly inheritance is going to decay, deplete, divide. All of our earthly inheritance will eventually look like that old Spurs hat. But a heavenly inheritance is forever. It's interesting, Romans 8 helps us see this clearly. That the heavenly inheritance begins and ends in the person of Jesus Christ. So as you work all the way through Romans 18, uh, Romans 8, excuse me, Romans 8, you see it begins, therefore there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you know Jesus, there is an inheritance in heaven that is grand. And as you work down through there, you see in Romans 8, it says Jesus is the rightful heir to the kingdom of God. But, but Jesus saw fit to, to come down to earth in the incarnation and, and go to the cross so, so that the inheritance of God would cover your life and so that you could be a child of God and know an inheritance in heaven you could never know on your own. That only comes by and through the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting here, in, in Romans 8 points us in this, this direction, you don't deserve any of this. But Jesus said, it is so. You child of God, come and receive the inheritance of heaven. He says, you can't work for it. Right? So, so many of us in the church, we're like that older brother. who said, I know I don't deserve it, but I'm going to deserve it more than them. Right? I'm, I'm going to work, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to make it look like I deserve this inheritance. And Jesus says, just stop. You can't work for it. You don't deserve it. It is a gift of God. 
If, if the Spirit of God has led you to faith in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ leading to repentance, celebrate because the inheritance in heaven is great. And as we, we look at our lives, there's some things that we can examine to, to say, am I of the inheritance of heaven that Jesus talks about? So, you know, a couple of things that we'll look at. One of those is, do you believe in Jesus' work on the cross more than your own work? You see, that older son in the prodigal story, he, he's not trusting. He, he's doing his own work, and he's going to try to work his way into that inheritance. Is that who you are? Are you the older son? And even the older son needs to repent and run to the father. Are you, are you going to trust in Jesus' work? Or are you going to trust in your work? Your work is never going to get you there. And Jesus' work is already done. That's one. N- another piece of that, that same story. But, and have you admitted that? Right? Have you admitted that your effort is not enough? You, we see that in Ecclesiastes. A- as a man on his deathbed, holding his checkbook, saying, I'm going to leave my fortune to somebody who doesn't care and doesn't appreciate it. And, and he, he's realizing that all of that effort was worth it. it the, the Spirit of God, this is a good thing. The Spirit of God helps you come to the point where you say, my effort and my earning is worthless. I'm not good. And so, and so we go to the Lord in, confess, in confession and say, Father, forgive me. Right? In the same way, are, are you seeing evidence of this transformation? So, so what happens as, as Jesus impacts your life, the Spirit comes in and the Spirit starts to mold you. And, and the Spirit begins to change things. You, you will never be the same person when the Spirit of God comes into your heart. One of the many things the Spirit of God begins to change is in you is your view of money, where you, you become generous in ways you never were generous before. You, you see money very differently than you saw it before. Before, our tendency is to close our hands and say, this is all mine. Right? You're going to have to take it from my cold, dead hands. But what God does, the Spirit comes and says, no, every, you have lots. You, you, you have amassed wealth. It's wonderful. But none of it's yours. Every penny is God's. And, and he begin, God begins to, to reshape how you think about it. And, and, and we, we think about our accounts and we think about our relationships very different when, when, we, when our, our view of money moves from this worldly one to this spiritual one. And all that's, that's a miracle of God. Right? Don't, don't be dismissive of that. Even one instance of generosity where you never would have been generous before that's the Spirit of God moving. That, that's a miracle of God working in your heart and your life. Don't be dismissive of that. So then we come to, to reverse this week. So our, our reverse text, we're in Matthew 6, and I want to look at one verse in particular, Matthew 6, 20. Right, Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Moth and, and rust do not destroy there. Thieves aren't going to break in and steal there. Right, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. I want us to to think this way. Um, on this earth, we often talk about investing in the future. And when we're talking about investing in the future, we're talking about from, from this worldly perspective, we often think about it in terms of investing for retirement, um, in investing for our grandkids, 
And so when, when that's our line of thinking, that we, we typically have those conversations revolve around things like dividends or cash flow or P.E. ratio, the, those kinds of things. Je- Jesus is, here says, think differently. That, that's what it means to store up treasures on earth. What does it look like to store up treasures in heaven? And there's some different things that can be, but I want us to focus in here. Right? In, investing in, in a heavenly way something very different. It's not us. See, sometimes we think about this is, um, what if God let me take all my money to heaven? So I've amassed all this and, and God makes a one-time exception. And, and God lets me take all my money into heaven. You know, at some point, all those businesses that you've invested in will be broke, not a business. Every currency will dwindle to nothing. You say, well, God, well, well, let me bring the gold in. Jesus says, look under your feet. The streets here are made of gold. So we have to think differently. What, what, what does he mean when he talks about this heavenly inheritance? And it it always comes back to this. It it always comes back to to being obedient to the Father. And and I want you to think about what that that looks like to be obedient to the Father. Jesus Jesus tells us the two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So it's it's to focus there. I'm going to focus on God and and not focus on money. Then he also says, love your neighbor as yourself. And, so I'm, and I'm, I'm going to focus there. I'm going to invest in these relationships. A, a big portion of, of a heavenly inheritance are found right here in investing in relationships. Investing in your relationship with God. Right? So invest time, energy, effort, money here with your relationship with God. And then invest in your relationships with the people that God's brought into your life. Who has God brought into your life? Your family, your friends, your church. Wh- whoever God brings into your life, invest in them. Invest in people. And there will be wonderful returns in the days ahead. And so let us be a repentant people turning over our worship of wealth to the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we we come before you now asking you to be near to us. When none of us in here want to worship money, And we pray that your spirit would help us to see money clearly for what it is, for what it isn't. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be good stewards, people who are wise with everything that you have given us. Lord, we pray that you would remind us that everything that we have is a gift of heaven. And Lord, we would celebrate in those wonderful gifts. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Deacons, come and prepare the table.
So now as we, we come to the supper, there's something important that we always do before we take of the supper. Um, Paul encourages this in, in 1 Corinthians when it, when it comes to the, the supper table. That before we take of this, we need to consider our hearts. Where we've been, what we've done. Our God has promised forgiveness to the repentant. And so we want to take a moment and we want to pray prayers of repentance. Um, this morning, maybe we want to focus those in on all the ways each of us um, have worshipped wealth. Where times we've made decisions based on money rather than discernment. Or times where we've put the dollar ahead of our relationship with the Lord. Maybe we just spend some time in repentance over those things as individuals and, and then as a church, right? Where the, the church as a whole, we've done the same kinds of things. Um, trusting our pocketbooks rather than our Lord. And so let's prepare our hearts in that way. Let's start in repentance. We'll have a few moments of, of silent repentance and then, then I'll close us in prayer um, as the deacons serve. So let us pray. Lord, forgive us. We've fallen into many temptations this week. And we need restoration. And Father, we, we pray that for every time we have uh, chased after wealth, instead of your kingdom, that you would forgive us. But even in recent days, where we, we cared more about money than our relationship with You. Lord, forgive us. None of us are above it, Father. We pray that by the blood of Jesus Christ, You would wash us clean and make us whole. And forgive us of the sin that's separating us from You. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Deacons, come and serve.
Jesus spent some time preparing his disciples for his death. And as he's preparing them for his death, he, he said, this, there's something important here that you need to remember. It's the key to your inheritance. So, of all the things that are happening, you, you, you need to remember what's about to happen next. That the church, and as the apostles gathered the church, and down through the centuries, Jesus said, remember the crucifixion. The crucifixion is where it was accomplished. Your forgiveness, your salvation, that is the key. Everything to be opened in heaven and on earth. And so Jesus said, do not forget. The crucifixion is to be celebrated from this point forth forevermore. So Matthew describes it like this. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. Deacons, come and serve the cup.
Jesus intentionally chose these physical elements. Because that which He was about to go through was a physical thing. The death would be real. The the walk to the crucifixion would be painful. The blood that was spilled was actual blood. Jesus walked through this physical experience to show us a new spiritual reality. That this earthly body might be redeemed for an inheritance in heaven that only comes by the death of the incarnate. So this this physical reality will be noted in physical elements. The bread and then the cup. So he continues at their supper. And he had taken a cup and he gave thanks. And he gave it to him. And this is what Jesus said. Drink from it all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant. It's poured out for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Let us pray. Lord, thank You for this gift. We did not deserve, but You gave. Thank You for redemption. Thank You for salvation. Thank You for being real for us. It's in the name of our risen Savior we pray. Amen. Church, we follow now the example of Jesus and the disciples that after that supper, they sang a hymn. So if you'll find in your worship bulletin or in your hymnals, hymn 377, Jesus at your holy table. We'll sing the first verse, but let's stand together if you're able and sing. a moment. Please be seated. We now invite you to respond. And there's a number of ways we respond in the room. I want to draw your attention to one in particular. I I hope we pray together well today. And you've already heard these prayers. Um, I hope you'll pray prayers of repentance. Many Many of us need to be repentant of these matters. But also, I hope you'll pray prayers of gratitude. We have been blessed with so much. And I pray that you would thank the Lord God above for everything that you have been given. Let us be a repentant people. Let us be a grateful people. Um, Take some time to pray. You can pray where you are. The altar is open. Come down and and kneel down front. Um, I'll be down here. Pastor Brian will be up here. Um, And we want to pray with you too. So you're going to take some time to do that. We're going to sing. We're going to give. There's some ways to listen on your listening sheet. Um, But let us be faithful to our Lord. 
Uh, if you need to, you can remain seated. The rest of us will stand as we respond.
for our life together today, I want to draw your attention to two different publications. First, the one in my right hand. This is Highlights. You've heard me talk about this. We can't get everything we're doing in our worship bulletin. And so we try to get everything in the next few weeks in this publication here called Highlights. And I want you to know the, on the cover of Highlights is strategic planning. Um, that is this week, Friday night or Saturday morning. This is always a wonderful experience in the life of our church. We do it every year. Um, and we ask you to come to one of those two sessions. You don't come to both. Um, they'll be very similar. So you can come on Friday night at 6 or Saturday morning at 9. And what we do here is we pray and try to discern what God's calling us to do as a church over the next year to year and a half, something like that. We don't, we don't want to assume um, that we know what we're supposed to be doing, but we want to discern together where God is calling us as a church. And so um, come and give insight and pray with us as we discern the near future of things we're going to do together as a church. So Friday night or Saturday morning. I also want you to be aware of this publication right here. Every few months we um, put out this little magazine called uh, Legacy. And it's, it's stories of our church and the history of our church. And they're always amazing, uh, well-written, and stuff you would want to know. So let me give you a little bit of insight in this new one that came out today. Uh, talking about our second missionary pastor, his stories. You may have also heard recently our carillon, our bells are ringing again. They hadn't been ringing for years. We recently got those fixed. It's the story of our, our carillon. Um, also, you, you may not know the story of the Wolfson House, the historic home that's in our parking lot. Um, there's the, the story of the, the Wolfson House and, and the man who built it and, and other stories, right? So they're all in here and you get to read more about our history and the life of our church um, and who we are. And so make sure before you leave today, we want you to have both of these. You can find them at the Ask Me booths if you haven't already got them. Um, but we want you fully integrated in the life of this body, and these are great places to begin in that. Thank you. Stand together and be dismissed with Seeky first.